0: You realize that it never came from anything out there. It didn't come from the wardrobe or the facelift, the sports car or whatever. It came from within you. And so you stop looking out there for it. And now the love affair begins and you never wanna miss a date cause it's just too good.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so excited to be talking to you today. And I'd love to invite you to come and see me for my global tour, Love Rules. Go to com to learn more information about tickets, VIP experiences, and more. I can't wait to see you this year. Now, you know that I love diving into really fascinating discussions with some of the most interesting people on the planet. And today's guest is one that we've had on before but one of your favorites. So there's only a couple of guests that we've had on a couple of times, and today's is going to be a real treat. We have the one and only Dr. Joe Dispenza. Joe, it is such a pleasure to have you back. Uh, Thank you. I I was fondly remembering the last time we were together, and I have to say my audience loved the conversation. They got so much out of it. Uh, The amount that you share every time, and I'm, I'm a fan, so I watch you all the time. So I listen to all your interviews and I always gain something new. And what I loved about our approach last time is you have this unique ability to be able to go really deep into the science and then bring it back to being really accessible. And then you add this layer of spirituality over it too. And, and I love that kind of blend. So, so thank you for being you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. And you look really well. I mean, it's been a Crazy year for everyone, Yeah, uh, for you as well. I mean, you know, you're used to doing so many events, packed out audiences, and of course last year that may have been slightly affected. And what's the biggest difficulty or challenge you've had to overcome in the past 12 months?
0: I th- I, first of all, I, I, one of the things about the global pandemic that I said to my staff and to my family the moment I heard how the circumstances in the world changed, I just said I refuse to be a victim. Uh, to these circumstances. So a victim consciousness is when um, we allow something in our outer environment to control the way we feel and think. So if I say to you, Jay, why are you so upset today? And you said, oh, it's because of this person or circumstance. What you're really saying is something in my outer environment, some person or some condition is controlling the way I think and feel. Now that's not the truth. That's just a response, right? So anything that controls our thoughts and feelings causes us to be victim to those things. And the stronger the emotion we feel to some circumstance in our life, the more we pay attention to it. And where we place our attention is where we place our energy. So we're giving our life force. We're giving our power away to that circumstance. And so I just made up my mind that uh, it was a great opportunity to get into the cocoon. And I don't think I've been healthier uh, in my life. I mean, I'm usually on six different uh, time zones in four weeks, Uh uh, running a lot of events, as you said, but but I saw it as an opportunity to really self-reflect, to really immerse myself into my own personal work, uh, to uh, redo our website, to redo our brand, to uh, connect more with my staff, to cook my own meals again and work out and, and use my body and do uh, my walking meditations on the beach. And of course, um, uh, I've, had a, I've had a fabulous, fabulous uh, uh, nine months or so uh, but I think, you know, um, I think one of the challenges I think many people have is really the discernment of information. Uh, it's really difficult to know what's the truth anymore just because information is so accessible. And I used to say that in an age of information, ignorance is a choice. And and now we have to confront a whole other level, and that is the information that we're getting. Uh, is it is it actually supporting us, or is it something that really is an incentive to, to cause us to make choices. So, um, for me, I think the biggest challenge has been just really an awakening to what kind of information I want to expose myself to. And I, and I think it's now more than ever a challenge for a lot of people in the world.
1: Yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear you say that difference between reacting to our external changes and uncertainty versus responding. We, we hear that a lot. And then the pandemic comes along and, everyone feels, we all feel we have legitimate reasons and true reasons external of us that we can't control to feel a different way. Mm-hmm. But I've heard you say before that our thoughts can make us sick. Yeah. And that always sticks with me. Like whenever whenever I think of you saying that, that always sticks with me. What are some of the, challenging thoughts that we've all developed in the last 12 months that you think are affecting how we feel?
0: First of all, every time we have a thought, we make a chemical. And and if you have uh, uh, an unlimited thought, you will feel unlimited. And if you have a, a self-depreciating thought, you'll feel unworthy. And your brain instantaneously fires circuits that signal another part of the brain to release peptides or chemical messengers that signal hormonal centers. And when we get that arousal from the thought that we think, uh, those thoughts sometimes weaken, the response weakens the physical body. So turns out that the emotions that are created from the thoughts are the signaling mechanisms of the body. Thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body and how we think and how we feel uh, creates our state of being. So it turns out that the thoughts based in the stress hormones, based in survival. Those are the thoughts that begin to push the genetic buttons that create disease. In other words, a person wakes up in the morning and the brain is a record of the past. The first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they start thinking about their problems. And those problems are memories that are etched in the brain that are connected to certain people, certain objects, uh, certain things at certain times and places. So if you believe that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny, The moment you think about your problems, you're thinking in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Now, every one of those problems has an emotion associated with them because we've experienced them. So the moment you remember your problems, now you feel unhappy, now you feel anxious, now you feel fear. So the moment we feel those emotions, it takes a thought and a feeling, a memory or an image and an emotion, a stimulus and a response, and we start conditioning the body emotionally into the past. Now, the body is so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real-life experience that's creating that emotion and the emotion that person's fabricating by thought alone. The body's believing it's in that environmental condition. So if the environment signals the gene, and that's the truth, and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion— (laughs) <laughs> we're signaling the same genes and genes make proteins. And if you keep signaling the same genes, you start down-regulating the gene and make cheaper proteins and the body begins to break down. Now, that's an unconscious process. So what goes along with that is the moment the person feels that emotion of unhappiness or whatever it is, uh, the brain checks in with the body and says, yeah, you're feeling pretty miserable, you're suffering. And we tend to generate more thoughts, equal to the feeling that we have. And so then we get caught in this loop of thinking and feeling. So if we can't think greater than how we feel, our feelings have become the means of thinking, then we're thinking in the past, Mm -hmm. right? And so we call that the familiar past. And then a person gets going in the day and they start thinking, oh, I gotta see this person, I gotta go to that meeting, I hate doing this, and now they get in their routine. And a habit is a redundant set of automatic, unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through repetition. A habit is when you've done something so many times that the body now knows how to do it better than the mind. So now the person running through the same routine every single day is on autopilot, and their body's now dragging them into a predictable future based on what they did in the past, and they've lost their free will. Mm to a set of programs, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have the familiar past and you have the predictable future, those are knowns. So the only place then reasonably where the unknown exists is the sweet spot of the generous present moment. That is when the body and mind are free from those conditions. So along with those emotions that influence the same thoughts, people start becoming more judgmental. They start becoming more impatient. They start becoming more entitled. Uh, They start getting more afraid, more anxious, more depressed. And now the body is literally being depleted of energy because it's believing that it's living in an emergency situation. And in emergency, you tap all of the body's resources for some threat, whether it's real or imagined. And so then when you're releasing all of these chemicals, we are literally drawing the body's life force and turning it into chemistry. And so for the short term, that's cool. But the arousal that's created from those stress hormones is a rush of energy. And so then people use the problems and the conditions in their life to reaffirm their conditioning or their addiction to that emotion. And in a sense, they become addicted to the life they don't even like. Mm. And this is why change is so hard. So then... When a person makes up their mind to change and they say, okay, I'm not going to say I can't, I'm not going to judge another person, I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to complain, I'm not going to make excuses, I'm not going to be a victim, I'm not going to talk trash about anybody, I'm just going to stop. Well, that works out really well for the first couple hours. Then the body's saying you're out of schedule. You normally at 8 in the morning, you're getting traffic and you're angry. Then at 11 o'clock, you check your emails and you're really judgmental and frustrated. The body's saying, well, you've been doing this for the last 20 years. You're just going to stop today. So no, the body, which has been conditioned emotionally to be the mind, wants to return back to its familiar territory, to the known. So the body starts influencing the mind. And it says, you know, come on. This is a good time to judge. Come on, this is a good time to suffer. It's your ex's fault. It's, it's, your, it's the government's fault. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it's the weather, or what, the news, whatever it is. And if we accept, believe, and surrender to that thought without analyzing it, it slips by and it begins to program the autonomic nervous system to make those pharmacy of chemicals. And so that's when the person makes the same choice, <laughs> does the same thing, creates the same experience just for that familiar feeling. Okay, I'll complain just so I can feel suffering. Then they'd rather be unhappy than step into the unknown, to step into possibility. And the hardest part about that process, first of all, is not making the same choice as you did the day before, Mm. and here's the payoff. You gotta stay conscious and not go unconscious. And it turns out that 95% of the time we're unconscious. So if you're gonna stay conscious, then there's an element that also requires a certain amount of awareness or energy. (laughs) And you gotta step outside of that unconscious state. So the thoughts that they're thinking are slipping by their awareness unnoticed because they're hardwired in their brain because they've been saying, I can't, it's too hard, my life will never change, it's someone else's fault. Those thoughts have consequences in the body. So then if a person then becomes conscious of those unconscious thoughts, becomes aware of how they speak and how they act, and they notice how they're feeling, and they're no longer the program. <laughs> they're the consciousness outside the program, mm-hmm. and that's the first step to change. So there are, there are, when, you, when you're distracted by your environment and you got your cell phone and you're <coughs> tweeting and you're Instagramming and Facebooking, whatever people do, you're distracted by that feeling but i now know that if you take a person and you say okay close your eyes <laughs> sit in the in the silence of any external stimulation remove the environment sit your body down like an animal body is the animal tell it to stay i'm going to feed you you can check your cell phone you can shower you can have your coffee but when i say and so then here comes the challenge right so and and then if you say then, you're not going to live in the familiar future, uh, familiar past or predictable future, you're not going to think about how long you've been meditating, what you got to do. You you labor uh, for that present moment. People think when they do this that they're doing something wrong because there's such discomfort that comes mm. with it, but they're in the unknown. They're actually doing it right. People mm. say, I, I think I'm meditating wrong. I always say, oh, no, 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 you're doing it right because when you notice that your body wants to get up and check your cell phone or have a cup of coffee and you become aware that it's on autopilot and wants to do that and you say, "Uh uh-uh, come on over here and you return it back to the present moment, you're executing a will now that's greater than the program. And if the person wants to just get angry while they're sitting (laughs) there, there's an arousal and they notice the body is amping up and revving up and they settle it back down, now they're telling the body it's no longer the mind that they're the mind. Now we've researched this and it's tedious in the beginning at first because David is fighting Goliath. But if you keep practicing it, just like training an animal, sooner or later the body acquiesces, sooner or later the body is trained to a new mind. And when that happens, there's a liberation of energy. The Mm -hmm. body goes from particle to wave, from matter to energy. And there goes that emotion, literally liberated from the body as energy. So the person who has the strong emotion to some circumstance in their life and they're they're working and lowering the volume of that emotion, the more they lower the volume of that emotion, the more they're going to take their attention off that person and problem and they're going to take their power back. There's going to be a break in their attention from that circumstance. And now they build their own field. And now there's energy to heal. Now there's energy to create a new life. Now there's energy for the mystical moment because they've overcome their Old personality self. So, mm. I think you know it's not like thinking positively. That's yeah, not no, the message. No, no. Yeah. It's it's overcoming, 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 overcoming until we become somebody else. And mm. when that occurs, and the person starts thinking differently, and they start acting differently, and they start feeling differently, they're a new personality, and yeah. they they start seeing those synchronicities and serendipities now. Crossing that river of change, the creative process now gets exciting because what thoughts do you want to fire and wire in your brain? What kind of attention and intention do you want to place so that that becomes the loudest voice in your head? Mm -hmm. And if you keep practicing it, the hardware becomes a software program and it'll say, Jay, you can do anything. (laughs) Jay, uh, you live in no time and accomplish everything. Jay, You're unlimited. You just got to hang with it. On the other side of this is greatness. Whatever you want to program in there, you get to program in there. If you sat down and say, how am I going to be with my wife, my husband, my partner? How am I going to be with my kids? How am I going to be at work with my coworkers? How am I going to be in traffic? And you close your eyes and you begin to rehearse in your mind. If you're truly present, the brain does not know the difference between the real life experience and what you're imagining. So now the brain goes from a record of the past to a map to the future. Now you're installing the hardware. Keep practicing it, Mm -hmm. it becomes automatic, it becomes easier. Now it's a software program. You may just start behaving differently. And then if you said, well, listen, I'm not going to wait for my healing to feel gratitude. I'm not going to wait for my new relationship to feel love. I'm going to actually teach my body emotionally Mm. what that future feels like before it happens. Now, Mm. this is a big turnaround for a lot of people because... We're so reliant on the outer world to change our inner world, right?
1: waiting and postponing.
0: Waiting is not creating. I mean, period. And when people are... They could have the greatest intentions in the world, but if they don't combine that with an elevated emotion, there's no signal because Mm -hmm. the elevated emotion is the carrier. It's the energy that carries the thought. So then... When we're in separation, in lack, waiting for our wealth to feel abundance, we're basically living our whole life mm-hmm. in pain, right? Mm. So then if you reason this, and a person can get up from their meditation and they literally feel differently, and they're feeling the emotions of their future before it happens, this is turning the, the, the whole process around. They can't be looking for it, why? Would they be looking for it if they felt like it it already happened? Now there's no separation. Now this is when those serendipities and coincidences and opportunities begin to show up in people's lives. So it's work, but then when they start seeing the experience in their life, all of a sudden they start believing they're more of the creator of their life yeah. and less of the victim of their life.
1: Yes, absolutely. So many parts of that I want to unpack with you, but... What, what a beautiful answer to, you know, our reflection on the last 12 months and what we're creating for ourselves. There were parts of it that I wanted to comment on. One was the idea you mentioned around being, recognizing that the unknown is actually the place of growth. Yeah. And I think there's so much beauty in that, what you were saying about meditation. I remember always being trained that we think that getting distracted is taking us away from meditation when actually the awareness that you are distracted is meditation. Right, the
0: problem is the thought that comes after, like I can't meditate, it's too hard. No, on the other (laughs) side of that thought is your healing. Yeah. So I say to people when they come to our workshops, oh, I'm gonna take you way further than where you normally stop. Yeah. Because you're only gonna have two choices. You're gonna let your energy drop and suffer and go get into time and my body and when's this gonna end and I'm hungry. And those are all primal drives. Mm Or you're going to apply a formula Mm -hmm. and in the unknown, you learn how to be comfortable in the unknown. And when people, this is so funny because you stretch a person outside of the known and it's not scary. Nothing happened to them. And all of a sudden they relax more into the present moment. They're not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. They're not going to think about what happened yesterday. Now we watch a, a Fifteen hundred people just by the end of an event, just totally present. Yeah, it's completely different people, and where you place your attention is where you place your energy. There's energy for them yeah. to heal. There's they have energy. They're they're they can execute. So it's something that it's hard to. You can only talk around. You yeah, know, I, you I don't. Know? You have to experience. Yeah. It's it. It's like how do you explain a mango to somebody? How do you, what does yeah. it taste like? You got you got to experience it. So so, but the cool thing about it, I think you know, of course, speaking from my present state of ignorance, but (laughs) I've been watching, you know, closely. You know, you can't tell me any longer that you're too sick to do this work. I, I have seen... In the last couple years, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people with strokes that were paralyzed, moving their limbs, people with Parkinson's disease that had tremors or paralysis moving, MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, rare genetic disorders, uh, tumors, there it is, then it's gone. You can't tell me you're too sick to do this work. I mean, uh, of course, people come up against themselves (laughs) and... When they come up against themselves, those sick people came up against their fear, like you're going to die in three months. And they had every reason to not do the work, mm-hmm. but they showed up in spite of their fear and they overcame their fear a little bit more. There were people that had self-doubt and they, their, their condition was getting worse and their family was worried about them. They could have doubted and said, I, I, I give up, but they showed up for themselves again and they overcame their doubt a little bit more. There were days that they were really feeling sick. Mm. and their body was really failing and they could have said i'm too sick to do this meditation they did it sometimes two or three times a day cuz nothing else was working yeah and and they overcame their body they could have said i don't have enough time i got kids i got obligations i got a job they they showed they made the time to do it and that, that was the overcoming process you can't you can't tell me that um You're too out of shape. You can't can't tell me, you know, you're you're too old. We have elders in this work. I can show you brain scans that are so elegant and so beautiful and the arousal that they're having is ecstasy, it's coherence in the brain. So you can't even tell me that you never meditated before because husbands who get dragged to our events by wives who are sitting there going, who is this guy? (laughs) And they're listening to the science and it makes sense and comes down to the practical. They're just saying, just, I don't know what I'm, just tell me what to do. They follow the exact formula. Someone who's been meditating for 40 years, doing the same thing, that's the one that has to get out of that, that yes, same yeah. habit. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but when it comes time to, to connecting, right? I
1: fully agree with you. I mean, I talk about this. I've, I've been fortunate enough to meditate for consistently for about 16 years now. And I started when I was 18 years old and it's been part of my daily practice. But I realized probably, probably halfway into that, which was too late. Like, as an, I wish I realized it earlier. But it probably took me eight years to realize I shouldn't have ever been trying to recreate the last meditation. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, like you get into that yeah. habit with any good habit. Yeah, you get into the habit of like. I want to meditate like I did yesterday. Yeah, I yeah. want to do this like I yeah. did yesterday. I want the yeah. workout that I had last week. Yeah. I want the body that I had last year. Yeah, yeah. And we do that to ourselves. And that actually traps us from a new, fresh, incredible yeah. experience.
0: Yeah. Turns out that repetition and predictability are impossible in the quantum. Mm. If you're truly evolving the yes. experience, the experience should be an, uh, an extension of the last one, right? Totally. So I always just go at it a, a different way if I mm. could. I always just try to mix it up, right? Yeah. And it's, it's usually yeah. better that way.
1: But tell us about how do we, you you mentioned something before, which was around, you know, as soon as you're thinking about your problems, you're thinking about the past, right? Mm -hmm. How do you think about a problem effectively? Let's talk about that because I feel everyone feels their life is full of problems. How do you process a problem productively, effectively, through thoughts?
0: Yes. Uh, Great, great question. Again, I I think we're all faced with great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations mm. and in order like for me personally and i and after looking through your book and reading a good portion of it i mean for me there's there's no school of ancient wisdom that you need to go to to be initiated your life is your initiation if you're paying attention so we meet challenges in our life from a certain level of mind right a certain level of consciousness or unconsciousness. And even Einstein said, we have to go to a greater level of consciousness uh, than the consciousness that's created the problem. Well, what is consciousness? Consciousness is awareness. And awareness means possibilities that you haven't thought of before. So we, we confront problems or challenges in our life. And as a side note, I was having breakfast with a researcher just last week who's studying what happens when we perceive and condition in our environment as a problem, how it weakens the organism, they're measuring this, and when a person sees it as a challenge, how they draw energy, they, they raise the energy of their body back into order. So if we said, I want to be wealthy, or I want to be healthy, well, what what you want to be that because you're not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the initiation of going from not it here to it here, you're going to have to climb some steps Mm -hmm. and there's going to be some blind spots. So you try it out and it doesn't work. Well, that's because there's a part of you that's still in a habit. There's part of you that's still unconscious. Okay. So what is it about myself and that circumstance that I am feeling about that circumstance and that feeling is causing me to think about it. So you say oh it's impossible, they'll never change. I'll hire a hitman, I'll hire the mafia, I'll hire an attorney, I'll get my friend's friend to talk to him and nothing changes, right? Well, you're not you're not separate mm. from that experience. You're involved in it and How you think and how you feel broadcasts energy into the field. So your energy is the same every day. And as long as your energy is the same, nothing's going to change in your life either. And nobody changes until Mm -hmm. they change their energy. Mm -hmm. So then what piece of knowledge, what piece of information, what would love do? What would greatness look like? Okay, I don't know. All right. Well, certainly somebody in history has faced this problem. Don't get on Facebook and say, does anybody have any answers? Don't get. Go look it up and study and read and learn. You'll own it. And you'll say, wow, that person that was wealthy, they failed 500 times. Well, hell, I had the wrong view of wealth. Mm -hmm. Okay, then failure is not a thing. I got to overcome failure. Well, yeah, just climb the step. Yeah. Okay, I'm reacting to that circumstance with the same emotion. That emotion is firing the same thoughts. I'm broadcasting the same energy into the field if I were facing that circumstance and situation again with that person, that circumstance, what do I learn from that circumstance? How could I do it differently the next time?
2: Mm.
0: Find out a solution and rehearse it. Mm. Install the circuitry so when you get in the circumstance, you're not going to respond in an automatic habituation. Now you're at a greater level of consciousness. Now you're looking at possibilities that you weren't looking at before because you were unconscious. Now, that process of trial and error is so important. In the spiritual path. How many times do we have to forget before we remember? Oh, and then we remember and we forget again. And it takes constantly remembering until we stop forgetting. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that point, now we're conscious. Now there's wisdom. And wisdom is the memory of the experience without the emotional charge. Now you're ready for the new adventure. So then, People draw conclusions and say, oh, it's that person that ripped me off. It's that person that... that," What, now now you don't create your reality? You only create your reality when things are good. (laughs) Well, somehow you got to tango through this. Somehow your objectivity in not reacting emotionally is going to change the energy of how you address this situation. So then we keep going, and, and introspection. At the end of the day, if you really wanted to be wealthy, say... How did I do today? Mm-hmm. Did I make the right choices? Was I ethical? Was I purpose-driven? Was I, was I, am I interested in making a difference? Was I fair? Was I tempered? Uh, did I really think before I spoke? What, what did I remember reading about that book, about that person that did it? How did I do? And if you said, I, when did I fall from grace? When did I lose it? Okay, I want that opportunity again. Mm-hmm. I want another shot at that. And I'm going in this way. What would love do in this situation? What would greatness do? And now you, you evolve your experience. And somehow there's a door. There's an opening. Something shifts. something changes, And now here we go. We climb another ladder. And then all of a sudden, there's another challenge. And then people who finally arrive at their abundance, they could care less if they're <laughs> abundant. They're already knowing that they've earned the right for it. So... So there's sometimes a shortcut in the process yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if, we're, if we really learn and we really get it. But the trial and error is so important mm-hmm. because not only is the person earning the right to be wealthy, but they're earning the right to live in worthiness, yeah. worthy to receive. Like, hey, you, people, people come to our work all the time for a lot of reasons. And one of the common reasons is they want to get healthy Yeah, and because and they're, you know, they're dealing with a very serious health condition. And I always say the same thing to him: Stop wanting to be healthy. Learn the formula yeah. on how to get healthy. Learn the formula on how to heal. And the healing will be the side effect of it. Mm-hmm. If you're obsessing about why am I not healed, you're still the old person. You're going to become that person every day, right? Yeah. turns out that when you sit down and the people that we interview that have had significant changes, when it's no longer about their health, but they are... They are out of the bleachers and they're on the playing field and they are coming up against the belief. Like one lady said, God, I, I always thought that this work really worked, that this, con- these concepts are the truth, but I never believed it worked for me. Mm. And I was in a car accident and I'm in a wheelchair. And then she made the decision that she was going to overcome that belief. Now, it was no longer about her healing. It was about overcoming the belief, yeah. Which she overcame the belief Never showed up every day for herself. When you believe in yourself, you believe in possibilities. When you yeah. believe in possibilities, you got to believe in yourself. You don't show up for yourself, you don't believe in it, yeah. and, and and that's why people don't do the work. I mean, if you you believe that your thoughts created reality, you would show up every day and create. And mm-hmm. so, a lot of people believe in their past more than they believe in their future. A lot of people fall in love or more in love with their past or romance their past instead yeah. of romance their future or love their future. It's it's that simple. So. The initiation process of life is always going to be there. You're always going to be challenged. If, if you want to be a master, well, then you better learn how to heal someone else, and you're going to fail a lot of times. And if you think that you're a failure, then you'll quit. But if yeah. you feel like you just didn't quite ding it yet and you show up again to just ding it and you keep evolving your experience and go deeper, how much more can I open my heart? How much more can I surrender into this infinite field? How much more can I become? Can I walk as it with my eyes open? People do meditations and they have great meditations, me included. And then you get up, you open your eyes and you're back in the program. (laughs) And people wanna know why they haven't healed and We have testimonies of people, they're speaking the truth. They said, my MS, my rheumatoid and my lupus never went away. And I had great meditations, I felt better. And then I realized with my eyes open, I was still that person. Mm. And now, next level, they're in the game They're catching themselves or catching how they speak They're mm. watching how they think. They're not letting their body fall in the same emotional state to put them in the same past experience that the body's believing in. Now, this is the, this is the great part. And when the person finally breaks through from the chains, and there's a different consciousness, a freedom that happens, they look back at their past. They wanna change one thing in their past because it brought them to that present moment. That's the past, no longer existing. That's the freedom. So is it worth the effort? Yeah, it's no longer about healing. It's no longer about abundance. It's about who you're becoming, right? That's what it's about, right?
1: I love that emphasis on trial and error. Because again, just like when we're talking about through some of your earlier answers around Becoming comfortable in the unknown—it's that same alignment again. Of like, what we're trying to avoid is the trial and error. What people come to you for is, I want a definitive answer. Yeah. Right. I want the conclusion. Yeah. I want the path. I want the decision. Yeah. The the one
0: thing yeah. that's gonna. I would never tell anybody what to do. Yeah. I, I believe in free will. Yeah. I would never tell anybody what to believe, like politically or socially or whatever. Yeah. I want to provide them the tools and give them the free will to create life however they want and believe whatever they want. That's totally cool with me. So those people then that want to be healed and they live in fear, Mm That fear has to be addressed. I mean, and it's not easy, mm-hmm. because it's, re- it's hardwired deep in the limbic brain. It's just a safety net, it's a mechanism. So then, imagine being in the unknown. The, the, the instinct in the unknown is it's a scary place. Mm. Wow, imagine not having a body. And we practice lingering without a body in, in, in an infinite space, and without a name, without a face, without a culture, without a job, without a social security number, without a disease, without a diet, just as an awareness, you, you practice that. You're gonna be comfortable in the unknown. You're gonna relax more into it. That's going against thousands of years mm. of programming, and the people who actually overcome their fear, and they trade it for gratitude, their immune system gets stronger, uh, their genes up I mean, there's just a host of, uh, uh, everything changes their brain changes, their heart rate variability. They, they, they feel differently and it's, yeah. it's being measured. And, and some of these people, uh, we're measuring this now in our, in our events with, with reputable scientists and, and, and universities. They're, they're shocked at what they're witnessing on a cellular level, on a brain level, on a heart level. Uh, they, they cannot believe the capacity of the body. I, I just was. I just got an email today of a sci- one of our scientists said, "I ran this three times. <laughs> the virus that we expose the cell to in advanced meditators does not enter the cell. It's outside the cell. It won't. A virus in novice meditators. Some of it's in the cell. Some of it's outside. Controls." all the viruses in the cell, there's an immunity. So when the person's less reactionary to their environment, there's less of response that weakens them, they're less of a victim to their environment, then they're less of a victim to their environment. Large scale, small scale, the body has a greater immunity to whatever it is. And, and that's the truth. That mm-hmm. is the tr- we're, we're measuring that. So, so you never know the outcome when a person really catches that thought Mm. that leads to the same choice, that leads to the same behavior, that creates the same experience, that produces the same emotion. That discomfort, mm. that unpredictability, that uncertainty, that's, that's, that's the side effect of leaving the known. That's what change is about and learning how to be comfortable in it. Instead of just white-knuckling it, go, oh, I have some tools to self-regulate. I'm in fear. Oh, excuse me. And you excuse yourself yeah. and you change that. And then you're there. And then here comes the fear again, excuse me. And I always say, if not now, when? Mm. Now is the new later, like don't wait. And so the person who's no longer about healing their disease, it's about overcoming their fear. Their attention is off their disease and their identity Mm. is changing because we're not identifying with anymore. Now they're looking at something right in the face and now once they're engaged, they're showing up every day. Just like a workout, Mm. Is pain involved but you move through it a little bit more and the volume is lowered and their response to people and circumstances are different. And then they know they're changing because people say to them, I just saw this just yesterday, they, people say to them, something <laughs> about <laughs> you is different. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, are you, what is it? Are you, you get a little work done? Are you, are, you, are you on a new medication? Because their memory of them is different. They're out of phase.
2: Mm. They,
0: they, we, rem, we don't see things how they are, we see things how we are. Mm. So we fill in reality based on memory and all of a sudden the person's out of phase. They're, they don't, they're, not, they're not remembering them that way they're, they're not that, they're in the unknown and it's obvious and then all of a sudden people get raises and they get all these great things going on. Why? Because they're leading by example. it's not what they're saying, it's who they are and they're less responsive mm. and they have more patience and they're, they're practicing being in their heart. And when they're in their heart, they're more patient, they're more kind, they're more loving, they're more giving. And you can't create a future Mm. without putting your heart into it. And if your heart, if you're throwing your heart into your future, it better be activated and and coherent. And so we measure that stuff because it becomes a science. And that is the language of mysticism now.
1: Mm. Why Why is our memory for pain stronger than our memory of a success or a joy? Because it sounds like, What you said, one one thing that really hit me and I loved that was the idea of remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting. Mm. And so often we have a positive, powerful experience, but sometimes we'll just discount it as as irrelevant. And then you have a negative experience and we hold on to it. And and I find that in all of this, memory is exactly it, that you said that wisdom is, when you've kind of gone down that process so far down the line where now your memory is stronger than forgetting, we forget yeah the powerful experiences. We yeah. forget the yeah. moments where we relieve things. So yeah. so why is yeah. that? and What's where our, and what do you yeah. do about it?,
0: uh, well, I'll answer it on two levels, Jay. Thanks for the question. I, I, I really think that when the survival gene is activated, preservation is the key. Mm. So we can have ten things that happen really great in our lives. You have a family member or somebody you know that does this. You have cr- ten really great things happen in their one thing bad, and they focus on that bad thing. Mm. Why? Because the survival gene is activated. They want to make sure it doesn't happen again. So so you put your attention on it because you don't want it to happen again. So what people do when they're aroused is they start thinking it's going to happen. So they actually select the worst case scenario in their mind Mm. and then emotionally embrace that future before it happens. Mm. And they're conditioning their body become the mind of anxiety and fear. So in preservation and in survival, if you prepare for the worst, anything less that happens, you have a better chance of surviving. So that's the mechanism that takes place. So survival means you better take care of your body. Yeah. You better be aware of your environment and make sure there's no threats. And so you got to keep your eye out there. And you better be thinking about the future based on what you learned in the past. Now, there's nothing wrong with that when the analytical facilities are in balance. But when there's an arousal, Arousals, there's three things that create arousal. Fear, hostility and anger or aggression, and pain. And that arousal drives the brain into these high states of what we call high beta.
2: Mm.
0: And most people need something or someone or some circumstance or some drug or some pill or some computer game to change that internal state. And the moment they notice a change in their internal state, then they pay attention to what's causing it and they start developing a dependency on it, right? So... Turns out that when we teach people how to self regulate and change their brainwaves, uh, we could actually see then that the incoherence, the disorderliness that's taking place in the brain. You know, when you're over aroused, you're overly analytical, mm-hmm. and you're shifting your attention from one problem to one person to one thing to one place to another problem to another circumstance to your phone to your car. And each one of those elements has a neurological network in the brain. So the arousal causes these different circuits to fire out of order, and the brain is incoherent. So take two waves that are out of phase and mix them. When they interfere, they flatten out. There's no energy. So energy leaves the brain, right? So then when you're in arousal, you narrow your focus on the cause. If there's something rattling in the bushes and it's dark, you freeze and you narrow your focus on it, and there's a rush of adrenaline and your pupils dilate and your heart starts to race, and you're ready to run, fight, or hide. I mean, that's a survival moment. But what if it's your coworker mm. sitting right next to you or six feet away, and, and you're judging them? You're the same arousal's taking place. And what's once very adaptive becomes very maladaptive. And this is where it gets challenging. So when we teach people how to open their focus, we've done thousands and thousands of brain scans, and they get beyond their analytical processes and they open their awareness and go from a convergent focus to a divergent focus, and they learn how to relax and regulate their brain waves start to slow down into alpha. And then if they do it properly and they're connecting, those different compartments of the brain that were once firing out of order start to unify. Different communities form bigger communities, the brain starts to synchronize. And then all of a sudden you start seeing different compartments of the brain all in resonance. So now when they're all in resonance and they start interfering, when those waves come together, there's more energy in the brain. Mm. So when a person dials down the mechanism, this neocortex that plugs us into three-dimensional reality that keeps us aware of our body, that's the autobiographical self where everything's stitched in memory in there. When we start deactivating the mechanism here and we get beyond the memory bank of the known self and brainwaves move into theta, we've, we've studied this so much. When a person can let their body be in a light state of sleep and feel so safe, that you can finally let go and surrender. The body is sleeping, but the mind is awake. And now the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind is wide open. And if they can regulate and stay there, something amazing happens. There is a release of energy from the body and their brain goes into a very, very super coherent state of gamma. Gamma is super consciousness. Now, I'm not talking about a little gamma, I'm not talking about a lot of gamma. I'm not talking about a really lot of gamma. I'm talking about a supernatural amount of gamma. S- there's so much order and so much energy in the brain. Like if we were in an audience and we were all clapping like this, that could be alpha, right? Theta would be, and if everybody could do this, the slower we could do it, the more we can get our timing down, the more we can get coherent. But if we were doing... This it would be really hard for all of us to do that at the same time. So it takes a lot of order, a lot of awareness, a lot of energy to be able to create that kind of uh, order. So that's how fast the brain is. And that arousal that's taking place is ecstasy. That arousal is bliss. It is the most familiar, unfamiliar feeling that people ever have. And that memory, then, that the person has that is so profoundly different then the feeling of success, the feeling of wealth, the feeling of orgasm or love or whatever, this is a new one and it's a thrill. And the person notices a dramatic change in their inner state and with that experience comes a very lucid picture, a very profound insight, a download of information. That's the moment then. The body many times rewrites the biological program. Energy is informing matter and the autonomic nervous system is regulating. It's in high order. And remember, disease is autonomic dysregulation. Mm. Now it's getting into a very, very high frequency of order and it's sending very coherent information to the cells and tissues, sending energy to the cells and tissues and cells begin to emit more coherent light and information and then there's the disease and there it's not. And mm-hmm. listen, I've seen it too many times. The person said, I had, we had a guy in Cancun in our last event that was a, a veteran that was, came in a wheelchair. He had both his knees blown out. He had uh, broken his back. He was extreme pain on the bottom of his feet. He couldn't walk. He was suicidal. He had post-traumatic stress disorder, tried everything. First walking meditation, he's out there lumbering around on two crutches. Next day, he's on one crutch the evening, in the evening of the final meditation i swear he is he's running down the beach without his crutches and the volunteers that usually help people with handicaps are chasing him and he's running the other way he he hit he hit gold there's no pain in his feet no limitation in his body he got an upgrade now that arousal that experience he'll never forget that's a new one so I think that a lot of people, you know, uh, uh, we get, you know, we get conditioned like, oh, wow, success. But, yeah, you know, yeah. sooner or later, you're going to be like, when the novelty wears yeah, off yeah, of that, that's like, not what I meant yeah, either. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. but here's the cool part the cool part is like when you hit pay dirt like that, when you connect, when you connect to the field, when you connect to the divine, whatever you want to call it, when your consciousness merges with a greater consciousness and that arousal creates ecstasy, bliss, oneness, whatever you want to call that, you realize that it never came from anything out there. It yeah. didn't come from the wardrobe or the facelift, the sports car or whatever. It, it came from within you. And so mm. you stop looking out there for it. Mm. And now the love affair begins mm. and you never want to miss a date because it's just too good. Mm. So that memory then, that is what I'm after. Because when you have those transcendental moments and you understand this, yeah. the experience of that transcendental moment lays down new circuitry in the brain. That's what experience does. And the experience produces a feeling, but it's not chemical. It's electric and it's orderly, and every cell of your body is jiggling in order. And and you're aroused and you're awakened, right? (laughs) You have to admit, when that occurs, your spectrum of reality is going to broaden. Some conditioning, some illusion, some belief about a white guy with a beard keeping track of if you did something right or wrong, or you failed, or you let God down. That's not how it is. Something is removed. And you start seeing reality as it is. And all of a sudden, you start seeing the part that we edit out for survival. Mm -hmm. Now you start seeing patterns and lights and information that are transcendent of three-dimensional reality and your spectrum. Why? Because your brain had the experience and the circuitry's there, and now your, your experience of the world changes. You get an upgrade to the, to the VR set, to the virtual reality set. Oh, you got the upgrade. You got 2.0, and now it looks different. Everything looks different. Everybody looks different. Mm-hmm. You, the world, look, you're seeing beauty more. Well, And there's more holism and more connection and sounds and words and music and sense and sight and light is all working together. Uh, I mean- that's the blessing of an awakening, right? That's where, yeah. we're, that's where we're going. What are
1: the things that disturb or disconnect our awakening and connection to the divine? What are those, that, that source or that power, that consciousness that yeah. you were speaking about? What are the things that then disturb or disconnect us from that once we become connected, because I'm sure many people feel connected, they get it, yeah, they yeah, yeah. they get a breakthrough, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, we kind yeah. of fall back. Down. Well, this
0: is a great question, also. I mean, I mean, um, wow. I, I think uh, a lot of times when people uh, they hit that point, they mm. try to reproduce it the same way as we mm. talked about, and you mm. can't, yeah, you can't do it the same way because that's redundancy. But also, uh, many times uh, we have the experience and we start to try. Mm. and because trying is matter trying to change matter and, and and so we're forcing we're controlling we're predicting and and then the uh and when we do that then of course we're in separation and we're mm. waiting for the event to happen to feel the emotion right and i've done that <laughs> long enough and it's actually have to lay down the very thing we used our whole life to get what we want for something greater to occur and it takes practice of surrender right mm. so that's one element. I also think that our responses emotionally, like uh, 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 let's just say that a person gets connected to the future. They get connected to the energy of their future. they feel it. It's really great, and then they start their day, and then two hours later they're they're feeling something else because some person or some circumstance altered their state. Well. They just disconnected from the energy of the future and now they're back to the energy of the past. Don't expect anything to change in your life because it doesn't work that way. So then then when they get back to that old self again, then they say, what's wrong with me? I failed, they didn't do it right. No, that's all the program. You show up again and you go after it again. Uh, So familiar feelings uh, cause us to no longer see through the lens of the future we're seeing through the lens, lens of, of, the of the past, past. and mm-hmm. and and we color reality that way so um i think uh, i think familiar emotions uh, get in. in the way as well and then of course there's always belief Mm-hmm. And a belief is just a thought you keep thinking over and over again until you hardwired in your brain and all beliefs are based on past experience. So a person has an experience, the stronger the emotion they have from that circumstance, the more they pay attention to the cause and the brain freezes a frame, takes a snapshot and that's called the memory.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The moment they draw a conclusion about that experience, they'll think neurologically within those circuits and they'll feel chemically within the boundaries of the emotion, thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling belief becomes an unconscious or subconscious state of being. They don't, most people don't even know they have beliefs about things, about God, about relationships, about money, because it's, it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing. Yeah. So in order to change a belief or a perception about yourself and your life, you got to go all in. Mm-hmm. It's not like you go 50% in. You got to go all in. You got to make a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carries a level of energy that causes the body to respond to the mind, that the choice that you make becomes a moment in time you'll never forget, and you would say, I remember the moment I made up my mind to change, and the stronger the emotion you feel, the more you'll pay attention to the decision, and that's a huge stone you drop in the quantum field, big splash, big waves, and in, a, in an essence, We're giving the body a taste emotionally of the future. We're aligning to a new future. Now, how many times you have to do that? I don't know. I've done (laughs) it over and over again until it becomes uncompromising. And people say, I remember when I made up my mind to change. I remember I made up my mind to heal. I remember the moment I can tell you where I was who I was with, what time of day it was. It wasn't like 9-11, something outer world changing your inner world. Your inner world is changing your inner world, which is ultimately gonna change your outer world. So I mean, people say, well, I I believe God lives within me. The vine lives within me, okay? You sit them down to do a meditation, 10 minutes goes by and they're hungry and they quit. If you knew the divine lived within you, 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 you wouldn't, wouldn't quit. You yeah. would not. You would, you would be like, I'm here. Yeah. And you're going to go a little deeper, a little further. You're going to get past mm-hmm. your hunger. You're going to get past your pain. You're going you're gonna to go a little further because like you want to know, right? Yeah. If you knew it was there, so that's a belief that you're not aware of, right? Yeah. So we all have them. I, I face them every day. So people have beliefs that like that the divine has, a, has an opinion about them. It's, it would never, it's impossible to judge it would divide itself it can't do that so as we start having these experiences i think then our paradigm shifts many times at least for me i mean i can't tell you how many times i've had a transcendental moment come back to joe Dispenza and looked at looked out in this world and i said i got this all wrong this is not about abstaining from life who's the opposite it's about going all in and really engaging and really living and really experiencing and tasting and smelling and eating and loving and have, we're here for that. We're here for all of that. So you create the experience. And then when it gets predictable or it gets boring, let's change it up. Let's create another one. And then how far can you go with that? It just <laughs> goes on. So I think there's, I think really belief is the other thing that's un, it's a blind spot that we have to become conscious to.
1: Yeah. One of the other blind spots or beliefs that I think where even that sometimes goes the other way. And in in not what you're saying, I, I, I know what you're saying, but one of the ways that we find our audience struggles is deducing the energy of the people around you and the energy that you attract into your life and mm-hmm. the people that you keep. Often, it, like you said, there are people coming to your seminars that are dragging their partners yeah. and they have to drag their partners there because their partners are not understanding it initially. Mm-hmm. Where is that at? Is there a method for people to start deducing the energy of people they meet and connect with to be aware if they're on the same frequency or on the same path? Ah,
0: uh, uh, well, well, I don't, I don't know if there's a machine that does that. <laughs> but once again, like, I think that if we share the same experiences because mm-hmm. we like the same things, we share the same emotions. hmm and if we share the same experiences, we share the same emotions, I can relate to you so we can exchange ideas and information. Yep. And if we share the same energy, energy is information. Mm-hmm. So many people, as an example, they use each other to reaffirm their, their dependency on suffering. So I suffer more than you, then you say I, you, I suffer, you suffer more than me. We, we have this thing and we just complain with each other. Well, that's the same resonance, the same frequency, and there's a match, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it goes to the same means. If you if you're if you're someone who's has a, a uh, accountability partner that that you exchange ideas like this with, and it's yeah. a different frequency and different energy. So, when energy comes together, and it's constructive. Something comes out of it. you feel it, right? It's and you feel an elevation. If there's dissonance then your your sensing meter is how you feel about that person many times in your gut or in your heart or wherever. And there's, de- const- there's a, a de- destructive interference and there's no energy involved. So I think that's just a practice. But really, mm-hmm. the ultimate mastery is to be able to be in such resonance, such coherence, that when you walk in the room that you raise everybody's energy mm-hmm. and you don't let your energy drop because of any circumstance or any condition. And that would be greater than your environment, right? And that's, mm. that's the model uh, that we use. So imagine 1,500 people in an event where everybody's getting super coherent and the interference that's going on in the room yeah. is creating these high amplitudes. Now we've measured that in the room and the energy in the room is off the chart many times. There's, I mean, there's energy for healing in there. There's energy for all kinds of things that can happen. So we brought it to life. With our awareness. And so the more elevated the emotion, love, gratitude, freedom, bliss, ecstasy, the higher the frequency. Mm. So, but it turns out you can have a collective group of people with a lot of energy and be incoherent and it creates entropy. Yeah. You could have a smaller group of people that are highly coherent and put out a very big signal. Mm-hmm. So when we see a collective really get coherent, Wow, the energy in the room opens up doors of possibilities that I would I would never expect. I mean, I I don't I don't know how to explain some of the phenomenological things of that course. happen, but that's that's everybody's divine. Like everybody's everybody's in that state. They're they're in that elevated state. So I think our I think our our truth meter mm-hmm. is really whether we feel lifted uh, or we feel like uh, we've been robbed. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And often, often our feeling of feeling lifted is based on everything we've just talked about. It's based on a void, based on an unhealed trauma, based on a gap or a part of ourselves that we haven't yet broken a belief. And so often feeling lifted is not feeling lifted in the way you're saying, right? It's feeling lifted in the just, the external superficial sense right, reaffir- reaffirming the emotion you need just as just as you said earlier at the beginning that an external event could make you feel sad right the external event is making you feel good right, right but it's still external you're exactly right? like the
0: opposite so, right so so, so yeah. then that means then when things are good you feel good yeah when things are bad you feel bad so there's dramatic contrast and polarity and this is the realm of polarity right so how do you find the middle path well the heart is the middle path. It's a union of polarity. It's a union of opposites. It's it's oneness. It's wholeness. And this is where we have to begin to create from. All of this down here is all humanity. This is all our animal nature. We get up in here, things change, right? Mm-hmm. You you go from selfish to selfless, and something else happens. So it's really funny too, because when a lot of people come, they say, I I, I don't know, I'm having difficulty opening my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm you know, I'm practicing, but I'm not feeling anything yet. And and then it comes time to do our healings on other people, and the moment you—it was no longer about you. All of a sudden, something happened. Well, of course, that's what the heart is about, right? So, so it comes in ways that uh, we we least expect at times.
1: Yeah, I love that you've incorporated that element of people. Having that experience. And and often most people can't open their heart to others because they haven't even opened their heart to themselves, yeah, right? Like they, they haven't been through that process
0: yeah. of sitting long enough yeah. to let the heart. I mean, I always say to people, when is the last time you sat with your heart and just mm. worked with it? Mm. Like so that it's not contracted and afraid and protected. Mm. It takes practice to to do that. And and so we we, we work with people in letting them. Uh, we give them numerous opportunities mm. to practice this over and over and over again. And sooner or later, petal by petal, it starts to bloom. And all of a sudden there's an authentic smile on their face. And once energy meet, meets the heart, it goes right to the brain. We have, we did this study where we hooked up an electrocardiogram to an electroencephalogram. And an electroencephalogram is a brain mapping machine. So we measure 19 or 26 different compartments and we're looking to see all different kind of activity in the brain. But we measured the heart along with it, and when the heart starts beating coherently, in, in a sense of order, like, a, like taking a big sheet, Jay, and going like that, the heart sends a wave right up to the brain, and the brain goes into these beautiful states of alpha. The heart is telling the brain it's safe to create again. It's safe to imagine. It's safe to dream of a new future and there's the stroke volume of the heart in order and then you see these 2 or 3 seconds of beautiful coherent alpha the brain is in it's it's in that creative state then there's a pause and it happens again and yeah it's 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 beauty it's a it's a symphony if you don't have that mechanism you can have all the intention in the world mm-hmm. but there's no carrier wave i mean and people, when they make energy uh, reach their heart, there's an external field that's created. It's, it's, it's magnetic. It's, it's, it's measurable. Mm. And that energy is frequency. And if that frequency is coherent, it can carry the intent or thought on a coherent brain of that future. The energy of suffering cannot carry the thought of health or wealth. It's not consistent with it. It carries a different set of thoughts. So then the training then, is getting people into those hard states because once they start trading that fear or that pain or that frustration or trying or whatever, forcing control for gratitude, and they just let all that go. And I say to them, listen, if you can't feel gratitude or if you can't feel love, I just want to know what you've been practicing feeling every day. Mm. Because that feeling... That you're practicing is what you're always feeling. Now let's practice feeling something else. In the beginning, (laughs) it's not going to be easy, but you got to keep following the formula, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Well, when they start feeling gratitude, it's very interesting because the emotional signature of gratitude is that something wonderful just happened to you. Something favorable is happening to you, right? So you've just received something or you're receiving something, you say thank you. So gratitude is the ultimate state of receiving emotionally. Mm -hmm. So when you move into a state of gratitude and you open your heart, you will accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to that emotional state, and you'll program your autonomic nervous system into a different destiny. You could say, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm, wealthy, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, and your body is conditioned in the misery, and it's saying, no, you're not. No, and you're that not. thought stops right at the brainstem. Mm-hmm. It never makes it to the body because the body is on a different program. So then, while well, the person starts trading that, and they start opening their heart. Well, their immune system gets stronger by 50%. 50% in three days, they start making immunoglobulins. Their body's natural defense against viruses and bacteria. 50%, not a little bit, a lot. That's that's one study. And so treating that, telling the body it's in the in the environment where it already happened. Mm. And so that's when the miracles start happening. That's when people say, I'm not doing anything. Well, of course you're not. (laughs) You don't have to. So then last point about this, because it's so important that people understand that most people are creating matter to matter. So the more you live by the hormones of stress, the more altered you are inside of you, the rush of those adrenal chemicals narrows your focus. The senses are heightened and we become materialists. And now all of our attention is on our bodies and our environment and on time. And now we're lost in the VR machine of three-dimensional reality. Everything appears as separate. So I'm here and you're there and there's space and time between us. And then there's me here and there's my dreams. I place them way out there in the future. Why do I place them out there? Because I'm estimating how much I have to work to get that house, to get that car, how much I have to save, how much overtime I have to work, what things do I have to do? How do I have to cheat, rob, steal, lie? Whatever I have to do to get it right? That's matter trying to change matter. And so when it doesn't happen, we feel more separation. We try harder, we force, we pray, we control, all that stuff. So then creating from the field instead of from matter— means that you have to take all of your attention off your body, Mm. all of your attention off all the people in your life, all your attention off all the objects and things, all the places, and even time itself, Mm -hmm. and become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, no time. And if you're not any of those things, what are you? Mm -hmm. Your consciousness. Mm. And now you are liberated from the rules of three-dimensional reality where everything takes time and energy to get what you want. Now, when we create from the field instead of from matter, Because it's not matter that's emitting the field. It's actually the field that's creating matter. Mm -hmm. Change the field, you change matter, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is not something you take one bite of and you get, it's something you gotta really practice. So then, by doing this properly with a coherent brain and a coherent heart, you got a Wi-Fi signal. And if you're creating from the field instead of from matter, you no longer have to go anywhere to get what you want. If you were connected to that invisible field of energy called the unified field, the quantum field, which connects everything physical and material. And you're aware of it, and you're connected to it. You're connected to source. Why would you, if you were source, why would you go get anything? You'd draw it to you. So the thought, coherent brain, is the intent. It's the electrical charge. The elevated, the motion, the heart, has a magnetic signature. It's the magnetic charge. The thought sending the signal out, it's a directive. The feeling's drawing the event back create that combination and now you're gonna collapse space and time and you're gonna draw those synchronicities to you now i'm here in this lifetime i'm clear that i want to master that Mm. i want to get good at that because (laughs) i want to i did the other stuff you can get successful the other way but you're too tired it takes too much energy i would rather synchronize my energy to synchronicities in my life and be mystified by wow this stuff really works and Every synchronicity that happens that catches you off guard and brings you joy and awe and wonder, you're going to use that energy to create the next one. And it gets weird. I've had some crazy synchronicities in the last three days. I'm laughing while I'm driving going, oh my God, this life is so incredibly mysterious. What an amazing ride this is. Mm. That's a different perspective when when you're not synchronizing. Well, You ask the person, was it worth it? You showed up every day, was it worth, absolutely. Mm. So when it starts happening and you start seeing those, you see feedback in your world, you're gonna pay attention to what you did and you're gonna (laughs) do it again. And you're gonna be like, okay, I've done this, I've done this and I've done this. People who heal themselves have very little difficulty healing someone else. It's just the next step. Mm -hmm. And then with COVID and we couldn't do the healings in our events, we had students just get together and say, if we're in the quantum, okay, and everything's connected, do I really need to be there? I just need a target. Give me the face. Give me the coordinate. <laughs> love transcends space and time. Yeah. Okay. Well, give me that coordinate. I'll love that person in the life. Mm. And these people do it. And I, we, have, we have reputable universities now that are studying this phenomenon. And they're saying, they're telling me, these are universities that have some of the most advanced laboratories. This is, I'm talking to Nobel Prize researchers They want to change the conversation in medicine. And today I got a video of somebody being healed remotely. And she's laying there. Her cancer went from really bad to nothing. And she videotapes herself when the group works on her. She is laying there and her body is moving all over that floor. It's twisting and turning. There's energy manipulating that body. They're changing the pattern in the field. They don't need, the body is the illusion. The tumor is the illusion. That's the hologram. Change the pattern in the field, you change the projection in three-dimensional realm. Our person who's healed themselves and been in a circle where they've healed someone else, and then when you do that, what's next? I don't know. You won't know until you have that experience. I've sat in on the groups, where they get together on the Zooms and five people that they've healed tell their story. You know, a mother whose daughter's unresponsive with, a, with, a, with an injury or a handicap from birth, who's now looking at her brothers, who's trying to talk, who's smiling, who's present. The mother's telling the story. There's 40 people on the Zoom we are all crying. N- not crying for any other reason, but the species is helping, the living organism called the human being is healing one another. They're informing one another, taking care of one. Something innate is awakening us. We're, we're, we're crying. The experience of that produces an emotion that's different than any other emotion you could ever feel. That's a new experience. Do you think that that person who goes to heal the next person is going to have a problem opening their heart after that? They know what the payoff is. Mm. And so they don't contract, oh my God, that person has a, in a coma. You know, How many people have come out of comas because of this healing group? They, they're, they're spot on. They can hit a target and they lay their energy over that field and another one over it and another one over there. and all of a sudden you get these complex, coherent patterns and it's creating a change in matter. And, and they, they figured it out. And we have universities that are, we're collecting all the data and they're crunching all the algorithms. We know that it works really well for anxiety. It works really well for insomnia for neurological disorders, Parkinson's disease, inflammation, we're, we're capturing that pain, huge changes in pain. And they're, they're on the other side of the planet. It's kind of, and we're synchronizing, we're measuring heart rate variability and we're sending electrodes and sensors to the people that are being healed and we're seeing if there's a correlation between the coherence of the group that's doing it and the coherence of the person who's having the experience and we're measuring DNA before the healing and three days of healing we measure the DNA after. Why? Because evidence is the loudest voice. You see that, it's the four minute mile. But you can't go back mm. to being the same person. I scratch my head sometimes when I'm standing on the stage and there's someone speaking to the audience who has had a very serious health condition and they don't look like a vegan and they don't look gluten-free and they don't look young and they don't look buffed and they don't look like they're in shape. They just look like a normal person that mm. has struggled with mm. a health condition. And they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. They, they, you are witnessing the truth. Mm-hmm. You, they are the example of truth. In other words, they have the scans, they have the blood tests. it's gone. Mm. And I'm looking out in the audience, Jay, and everybody is leaning in. Nobody is moving. They are, they are in awe of the four-minute mile right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Somebody broke through. Somebody pierced that veil. Somebody broke out of that level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that story is filled with truth. Not, not my words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their words. They just showed up every day for themselves. They just kept showing up and believing in it, and they became it, right? Mm-hmm. You ask that person, where's the disease? They'll tell you it's in the old person. I'm somebody, mm-hmm. there's, it, I'm not the same. It says not can't be there. <laughs> the person in the audience who's relating to that person with the same rare genetic disorder, the same lupus, the same cancer, don't you know that their belief is gonna change right in front of them? And instead of taking two years to do it, they do it in three months. Mm. Why? Because as soon as the four-minute mile was broken, the next one that broke it was two weeks later and there's been 1,400 people have done it. I mean, it's not a thing anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's, we have such compelling evidence in science with brain scans. You can make your brain work better. You can make your heart work better. You can make your immune system work better. You can make your cells go from really sick to really healthy. We've got great evidence. You can become immune to serious viruses. You can be immune to bacteria. We've got the measurements. You can lengthen your life. We have great evidence, and the people aren't monks. They're not, they're not nuns. They're not religious scholars. They're just common people. And then we have testimony of people who are the example of truth. They are, they are the example of truth. I would rather have dinner with those people than anybody, anybody else, they, they know something, mm-hmm. right? So evidence then becomes the loudest voice, right? And, and that's what I think what people are looking for right now. The truth is so lost in sensationalism and the truth is so lost in emotional agreement. Mm-hmm. And so people who wanna feel fear They program themselves and accept, believe, and surrender that people who want to be hate, be hateful. It's all there. It's all there. And it's a, it's a matrix to find the way out, right? And, and, and I think, I think there's a door. I just, I just think that we have to trust the innate information that, that comes from within us.
1: Absolutely f- fascinating, and I can't wait to actually experience an event in in real. I'm going to invite you
0: yeah. one more time, and then I'm yeah, going to sh- yeah. send somebody over here in a car to pick well, you up. Well, I and think take last time we wanted to do
1: it, and then the <laughs> pandemic hit. So you know, from from last time, but uh, no, I would I would love to. I can't wait to experience that and to experience it personally, not just to watch others, but to actually go through it myself too. But with all of that said, and seeing these breakthroughs, seeing these breakthrough in patterns, you having transcendental experiences. What do you believe in this present state of ignorance, as you said? What do you believe is the purpose of life
0: overall? To figure out the purpose of life. Okay. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I really think it's... I think the mathematics uh, that I've looked at says there's infinite experiences to have. You will never know the end. Mm-hmm. So then if you study any religion... I mean, I've looked at a lot of them. This concept of eternity—that mm-hmm. the soul is going to be around for
2: eternity—that's
0: mm-hmm. a long time, mm-hmm. and that means you got to be okay with you <laughs> <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah. So I think it's—I think it's the creation of more experiences, and I think to to f- I think we came from source, from singularity, from oneness. Uh, And we have descended down into density, fooled by our senses into separation. Mm -hmm. And every single being has a spark of oneness of the divine within them. And we got so separate that we now have our own free will to answer the question, is there more? Mm -hmm. Because if you're oneness, it gets kind of boring after a while. Like, is there anything else? Well... The moment you ask if there's anything else, you're no longer oneness. You're something other than oneness, right? And you're mm-hmm. a, 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 a different consciousness, separate from oneness. So I think then we live life, and then when we can predict the feeling of everything that can happen in our life and it gets boring and we're not impressed by anyone or anything, we ask the same question. Is there more? And that's when the soul goes, all right, well, it's been, how many lifetimes you've been doing this? Okay, there's an awakening, and the and we ask that question, and then all of a sudden we start getting information and books and stuff and meet people and it gets exciting and and it's the it's it's how the universe works. And so we climb out of this, and I just think there's so many incredible experiences that are left in the unknown uh that we get to have. And and then of course when when the journey's over and you evolved to that point, uh then you take that wisdom. And you went, you say, here's what I learned. And it was scary down there. And I was like, boy, I tell a great story. And then you hang out there and you go, is there anything else besides all And then here we go again. It just never ends. I don't know, that's my theory. That's a great answer.
1: I loved it. I, I resonate deeply with many parts of that answer. I think it's a, it's a really beautifully put way of thinking about it and bringing in that, like I said at the beginning, bringing in that spiritual, that science and the experience of of what it would actually look like to live for eternity. So it's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Dr. Joe, we end every episode with the final five. These are the fast five questions where the answers have to be one word to one sentence maximum. Okay. So this is- uh, I don't
0: remember this from last time, so this is good. Yeah,
1: and I'll probably break my rule with you because you give phenomenal answers. No, I'll, give, I'll, I'll do my so best. I'll try my best as well. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I'll try my best as well. Okay, so Dr. Joe, these are your final five Uh, The first question is, what is the best advice you've ever received?
0: Uh, To show up for yourself.
1: Hmm. What's the worst advice you've ever
0: received? Uh, Believe what people tell you.
1: What's something that you've said in the past that you were confident about it then, but now upon reflection, you're like, oh, actually, I've changed my mind about that.
0: Oh, that it takes a long time to create reality.
1: I'm going to ask you to expand on that because I like that answer. I want to know more. That's fascinating.
0: Well, um, I think just like anything else, uh, you learn how to snowboard, you mm. go through that learning curve, you learn how to ride a bike, you go through that learning curve, uh, that that I used to think that creation was hard. Mm. I just thought it took a lot of energy and it took a lot of sacrifice and it mm. work for it. And, Great answer. And uh, God, I mean, even my definition of surrender mm. today is very different than it was just three months ago because mm. I'm always doing it. Mm. And so... I think that it doesn't have to be that way. I yeah. just think that it could be any way you want. And that love and I'm working on that, uh, changing that belief.
1: love that. Beautiful answer. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Uh, question number four. Uh, what's one thing that you think people value, but you don't?
0: Oh, other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> if I really cared what people <laughs> thought, I would have stopped this a long time ago. And yeah. now it's so great because I have... So many researchers turns. and physicians yeah. and everybody. Interested. I'm very glad you
1: didn't stop. And, you. and we are very happy you didn't stop. I think it's deeply meaningful work. And the more time we spend together and the more time I hear where you want to take people and where you want, what you want people to experience is just beautiful. So so Thanks. thank you for what you're doing. Thanks. Uh, fifth and final question. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be?
0: Take care of one another.
1: Nice and simple. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love that. Everyone, Dr. Joe Dispenza, an amazing, amazing interview. So many fascinating insights. I hope you're going to listen to this one twice. Make sure you go through, make some notes, and you can follow Dr. Joe on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, is there anywhere particularly you'd like anyone to find you or anything you have right now that people can start getting excited about? Ooh,
0: you know, uh, yeah, sure. First of all, website. We just built a new website, and I realized uh, in, during COVID that my greatest value is our community. We mm-hmm. have our community. Is, we're doers. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we do the work, you mm-hmm. know, and I love us. I love people who walk their talk, you mm-hmm. know, and so we built a new website. So the website, Dr. Joe Dispenza, is super cool. It's got really great resources there. We're releasing this new program called The Formula. Mm-hmm. And yep. after, after all the research that we've done, we figured out that if we could just teach it in small episodes and give people the meditations to practice and each meditation uh, builds on the next and it's not too overwhelming and you want to turn it on to your boss or to your spouse or to, to somebody you love. Uh, it's, it's just, in, it's in smaller bite chunks and, and there's a lot of content there. So the formula will be out at some time. And I think the end of April will be. I beginning. love Man. that.
1: Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. I, I think that's what we need more than ever. I think people, uh, Right now, especially in their homes, are needing the formula.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy to contribute anything. Yeah,
1: I love that. Make sure you go and check out the formula. End of April, it will be out. So probably by the time you listen to this, it will be available. Go and check out the website. We will put all the links into the description so you can follow Dr. Joe on social media and check out his website and the formula program. Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, thank you so much. It's been a real honor honor having you back. Thank you for your beautiful answers and heartfelt answers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.